When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to episode number 385 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the drafty Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? It is cold here, but that's not what you mean. No, it is draft season. Mm. I had my Towers draft this past weekend. You had it about a, a week or two ago. A year ago. You're right. About a year yeah, ago. Yeah, a year ago. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and... We're going to talk about your draft today. Every, I might say your, I mean, the one listening right now, the outline for, for the season as I put out my draft outline, the ultimate fantasy baseball draft guide for 2023. We're going to talk about it in podcast form today. Can't wait. Yeah, there's a lot to get to here. Um, I mean, you, this is one, one, one of our best articles that Nick puts out each year because it's not just about, oh, who are, you know, who are the guys that I can get that are sleepers, right? It's more contextual. It's these are the guys that we like who go a little bit later uh, and you might be able to get them and help you win your fantasy teams. Now, before we get into it, right, if you go to the article, which you should, it's on PitcherList right now, the Ultimate Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide for 2023, who to draft when, listed by position. But before we get into the positions, there's plenty of notes up at the top about you know, the draft outline primer, the positional eligibility stuff. But uh, I think you should talk a little bit about, you know, as we usually do when we talk about things like this, what goes into this article, why not every name is present, which you list twice in the article, but you should say on the podcast for repeating as yes. well, and what the overall mentality is. Right. And I, I do also, very quick tangent, um, this is from someone very dear to me, sent me something to say, hey, can you mention this in the podcast? And I really want to, to be affected by this a lot. And uh, just a quick shout out here. Um, so March uh, is colon cancer awareness month. Um, and it, it's really important. The proportion of young people getting colon cancer has doubled over the last 25 years. It's happening to athletes like Trey Mancini, of course, as we know, um, action movie stars like Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman as well, and healthy people across the country. And fortunately, colon cancer is very, very, very treatable. If it's caught early. So if you're bleeding while going to the bathroom, experiencing new digestive issues, sudden weight loss, fatigue, or weakness, talk to your doctor about colon cancer screening. It could save your life. So please consider doing that. Really, we just want all the good things for all of you. Um, and uh, having people affected by that personally as well. I want to just quickly do that on the podcast before we get into the draft. Guide. But yeah, okay, let's talk about the draft guide. The main thing I do want to talk about, guess what, Fast? You're not drafting a best ball league. Hmm. You're not doing it. Okay, you know, you're going to be in a 12-teamer and you're going to get one of those, hey, let's just see who won your league based on your draft and here's your draft grade based on the projections. And it's like, what? no, this yeah. is not the team you have at the end of the year. So yeah. I, I say it all the time during the offseason, but it applies not just for pitching, it also applies for hitting. And how you draft your team should be with the mindset of this is not the team I'm going to have in August and September. 
I need to strategize around that and know what positions I can fill in easier than others. What your strengths are as a fantasy player. If it's finding hitting off the wire and not pitching, great. Then go a little bit more so heavy on the pitching than I would. Uh, for example, for me, I obviously love chasing starting pitching in season. So I'm going to focus more heavily on hitters. But it's more than that. It's also understanding the gap in value turn rounds and at positions where you're getting a guy in the fifth round because you really like him. But then there's someone in the eighth round that's very similar to that, understanding that there's a different void or a different gap you should be chasing at that time and be okay with the one that lands in the seventh or eighth round. I try to identify that a lot. As always with pitching, there's just so many guys that you can get value from later in your drafts. And you really do have to strategize that. Look, we have our Legacy League draft right now fast. Mm -hmm. You had the most predictable pick in the world uh, with Garrett Cole in the second round. Couldn't believe he actually fell through to the second round. Usually he's like uh, back in first round. No, what I've seen, especially with these specialist drafts, is I with the mocks that we do and everything, it's mostly hitters until the end of the second round. Mm. Um, because I, I I agree with this. I talk about it a lot, but I think that the first 20 hitters are just that much more valuable. And the difference between Cole and, say, like Woodruff, um, not large enough for me to chase Cole in the second round and turn down. Uh, in Austin Riley or a Beau Bichette or so. You went with Jazz Chisholm in the third, right? And the difference to me there is not as uh, stark on the pitching side as it is on the hitting side, but that's just me. Uh, you got your anxiety out of the way with Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Garrett Cole, but we're not talking about your draft today. No, 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 no. I'm going I'm going wild here. Like, I have, I have one pitcher through the first seven rounds because I actually had a decision of, in the six, I could have gone um, Zach Gallen. And I thought to myself, you know what? Teoscar Hernandez, I think, is a larger gap between what I would relatively get seeing like the and then seventh round or the eighth round um, than Gallon versus the pitchers that I'm going to get eighth, ninth, tenth. Well, uh, yeah, so like you said, that's we're, what I we're, do. we're not talking about my draft, not talking about your draft, we're talking about your capital right, Y O U R draft. Right. And that's the point I'm trying to make is that I saw myself in the sixth round being like, okay, normally I would want to have a certain uh, strategy of, yeah, I want two starters around this or that. But then I think, all right, sixth round, compare the pitcher versus the pitcher in the 10th round versus the outfielder in that round. And the guide should help you say, look, there's a lot more value in this position later on. Thus, you should strategize right now on this pick based on the one a couple of rounds later. Well, let's jump in then because we'll, we'll, you know, we, we're going to work our way down. Uh, we're going to start with first base here. Now, remember, there's going to be some guys that we don't mention here. Um, and the reason for that it could be multifaceted, right? It could be because you think they're going a little bit too early and you might not think there's enough value there. There are a considerable amount of first basemen, though, that we see going in the top three rounds, right? Vlad, Freddie Freeman. Um, it, this is first baseman and DH, I believe. So you have Otani in there, Pete Alonzo, Paul Goldschmidt, and Matt Olson. What are your thoughts here about uh, about first base? So first base, you're going to have... Uh... You're going to have those major guys early, right? Vlad, Freddie, as you mentioned, Pete Alonso, uh, Goldschmidt, and Olsen. And I think for me, it really depends on where I am in the draft if I'm going to get a first baseman. If I'm at the back half of my 12-teamer, I'm generally going to get one of Freddie Freeman or Vlad Jr. Uh, maybe Pete Alonso, but I find myself often getting one of those because the floor of their offensive production is insanely good. Those guys are not on the injured list often. They're going to be massive big bobbers with a good average as well. You're going to say, oh, stolen bases. I purposely say stolen bases 
um, and average are the least important of the five, the two least important of the five hitting categories, as there's such a small difference between winning and losing that week every uh, every week where it's more chance than it is home runs, runs, and RBI. So to get guys that solidify the others is really, really important. Um, well, then Freddie Freeman is also just absolutely lead in batting average, so maybe it does give you a slight more advantage, but still, it's going to be very weird. Uh, so if that's the case, if that that's something that you're not able to do. Paul Goldschmidt at the end of the second um, is something I like to do often if I can, uh, but most of the times it's Matt Olson in the third. I find myself getting often. I think I have Matt Olson like every draft, mm. <laughs> even like auction drafts. I'm a huge fan of Olson. Um, I think it's a fantastic Atlanta lineup. I think he's in the middle of that. He's a fantastic hitter. PLV loves him. Um, and uh, that's generally the early round strategy for first base. I like the value that you get with their good floor, good foundation, all that fun stuff. Uh, later on, it turns into a, a whole thing with Breu and uh, Vinny Pascantino. Um, you, ha- you have some options there. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe, Christian Walker. I actually find your boy, Ryan Mountcastle, getting discounted heavily um, mm. as a backup option in the 12th or so. And I, I just want you not to get into a situation, the listener here, to to be have a plan for first base where you're not relying on Anthony Rizzo or Andrew Vaughn or Josh Bell as your premier first baseman. I think you're going to fall too far behind because first base is where a lot of power lies. And there is a big gap that you're missing out on other positions. We like other guys, but the difference between the guys going like the eighth round versus the 16th round, maybe not as profound as it is with first base. I think you're going to really be falling behind a decent amount. So Mount Castle is like the last one. I'm like, all right, I have a first base and I'm okay. Um, but most of the time I find myself getting Matt Olson, or if that's not the case, then I'll probably sneak in there like a Christian Walker around or Moride Mount Castle. Um, around the 10th or 11th rounds. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, it's like I agree with the the notion that there are a few of these guys that if you're stuck with them as your primary 1B, then you probably, um, you know, you might be in a little bit of trouble. But there are some guys later on that you've highlighted going in the later rounds that are kind of fun late flyers, right? Like J.D. Martinez, I think having him, you know, anytime L.A. is going to sign someone, um, it's going to be interesting, although you never really know what's going to go on with his playing time. Like, I don't think they're necessarily going to be as interested in playing him every day if it's not in their plans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine he does become their everyday DH, and I believe that he is slated to be their everyday DH, but you know, there's probably going to be some spells where Will Smith gets a few at-bats there and so forth and so right. on. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I so like- J.D. Martinez and Otani, I need to put them in somewhere. Um, and Alvarez is kind of there too, but I don't really actually have Alvarez as a major target. The, the hand stuff just worries me a little too much. Um, but uh, Martinez, you can't really saw him to first base. He's just kind of there because I need to put him in one of these tables. <laughs> and I gotcha. do think, as you're saying, like he's he's really good. A lot of people don't want to fill up their utility spot. But then, it does, honestly, it's production. And just be happy that it is your utility spot. Uh, so other, I think he's, he's going too late. The other fun pick, too, is, is, uh, is Spencer Torkelson, right? I mean, oh, yeah. he's going late enough in drafts that you can actually look at his you know, fantastic spring and see if it carries over into the full season because it doesn't cost you anything, right? Right, I mean, exactly. He's sitting, 
slashing 300, 364, 450 with, you know, with a home run and uh, over uh, over 44 plate appearances. And again, it's spring training. It's a lot of center cut four seamers. That's how Judge has his success. Not that those and two are the same, Kalnick. but still. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that, maybe I'm conflating the two, but still Spencer. Yeah. Spencer Torkelson is, is kind of fun to take there. Oh, yeah. So so this is something I do encourage is you, I, I have it highlighted in green. By the way, if you don't know what we're referring to, check it out on the on the site. You really should just it's a nice, quick cheat sheet for your drafts. I like Joey Manessas, Tristan Cassis, uh, Miguel Vargas, Spencer Torkelson. I'm going to be targeting one of these guys at the end just to be a util guy and see like, cool. These are really fun hitters who show promise. And could be something big. I am surprised that Tristan Casas is like in tout over the weekend was so expensive in in these auction drafts. Hmm. So I uh, wild to me. Um, and I don't know if 19th round is going to stick around. I mean, this is all pulled from Fantasy Pros ADP, which is your general like ESPN Yahoo that kind of stuff more so than the NFBC. And I don't know how well this is going to translate necessarily, but this is generally what I've seen from all the mocks I've done. This is going to be the flow of it, and I'm sure there are going to be certain ones that go higher or lower. Of course, always does that, but this is generally how it is. Um, there's also Jared Walsh at the very end, too. Not a bad flyer to see if uh, he's okay after having pretty much a lost 2022 season. Yeah, yeah. Then I think right around you know above him is like I don't believe Torkelson is scheduled to platoon. Um, that would kind of surprise. I don't think so. That um, would surprise me. No, now's the, now's the time you gotta get Torquez at bats, man. He deserves exactly. It. Yeah, and that's kind of the difference between him and Walsh. I don't. I, I don't. I imagine Walsh will continue to platoon. Um. Mm. All right, let's go ahead and check out the second base targets here. I mean, we know that you are, especially in Yahoo formats, Mookie Betts is is almost one one for you. I, I think you he's love like. The... I think he's a cheat code at second mm. base. The Oh, man. I mean, especially also now that Altuve is missing two yeah. months with mm-hmm. thumb injury. Second base is the it's Betts, Semyon, Ozzie Albies, Jazz Chisholm, and then Tommy Edmond and Andres Jimenez. The difference between Betts and like in your 12 teamers, some people are going to have to have Brandon Lau or Jake Cronenworth as their second baseman. The, it's such an unbelievable gap of talent inside your lineup. Um, that's not to say that I don't dislike Brandon Lau. Actually, I actually might like Brandon Lau more. I, I took him in in tout uh, over the weekend, and uh, Steve Phillips was saying like he likes a lot of the things he's seeing from Brandon Lau. I'm like, all right, that sounds good, Steve. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, and I'm, he might actually become more of a target in the 13th round because if you miss out on Semyon, Albies, and Chisholm, I don't really like going after Edmund Jimenez and Torres. I don't. I don't really feel that they are the they don't do enough to justify these really nice, important rounds, uh, fourth, uh, the fifth through ninth, where you really define your team. And I find that Max Muncy and Jorge Polanco kind of do a lot of the similar things. And I uh, they can be very productive at a time in your draft where there really isn't enough to jump at in the 12th and 13th. There isn't really exciting things and like, cool. I'll take the second baseman there and get the exciting things in the top 10 rounds, right? So that's kind of where my head is at, which might mean that I might going might be going more for Brandon Lau if I miss out on Betts, Semyon, and Albies. I mean, you took Jazz Chisholm in the third. I I, I know it sounds like we're not going to talk about your, your draft, but it's also important. You were like this too. You're saying, I want to get second base out of the way. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm that's glad I did. Mentality. It happened... 
It happened right before Altuve. I think he was. I, I also kind of think he's Mookie light because he's Mookie mm. without the average, right? He's a 2020 guy with second base outfield eligibility. That's yeah. Uh, I understand that. Um, I mean, obviously with bets, there's just so much more of a floor. I think with the counting stats, mm-hmm. um, which makes it uh, far and away better in my view. But I, I, I don't find myself leaning towards Jazz. I think I'd rather go with the higher floor of Albies and and Semyon. Um, but I can understand those wanting to go for Jazz. I mean, that's why I have them listed inside of this. I uh, and keep in mind, yeah, I don't have everyone listed in this. Because I couldn't just do everyone. You know, this isn't about like, here are all the players in the rounds they normally go. That's just ADP. I'm just only showing the ones that I'm targeting. So having these guys listed means that they're on my like radar. Like, yeah, I'm going to be looking around this time for them. But then the green is like, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers that really I get those specifically. I'm a little different there. Yeah, Edmonds a, a fun build because another guy with multi-position eligibility that you could slot at second base and shortstop. I think he's he fits a particular kind of need where he almost does pair well with a uh, if you can't get Jazz and you do get Vladdy in the first round, um, you know Edmund is not going to provide you with a lot of pop, right? But he is going right, to provide. Right, this is with- your Starling Marte, JD Martinez thing, isn't it? No, because it's well, I don't have him and I'm not going to get him, but I I, I think that. He because he you know Marte is going to be able to give you a, a little bit more home runs and he's going to have a little bit of a higher average floor. That's but fair. I think he he does fulfill a need that uh, you're getting stolen bases and you're getting average, um, and you're obviously going to get runs because he's going to be hitting leadoff. Right. For, yeah, the for whole St. thing Louis. is power of home runs and RBI. You don't know. It's a little bit of a sink there. Yeah. Uh, which I I I personally hate being so loaded against that, especially when again. I average and stolen bases are the two least important in my view, which is why I lean away from Edmund. Now in my tout wars draft, that's a roto that's different. And I kind of regret not maybe going after Edmund to fill that need of stolen bases. That I think I need a little bit more of in that one uh, for team construction purposes. But I, but for your head to head 12 team leagues, I just, it's not worth it to me. Hmm. Well, let's, uh, is there anyone else from the second base tier that you want to mention? Um, so Max Muncy and Polanco are the really nice ones. Muncy, I think, is a little undervalued. Um, don't worry too much about the average, and the pop and counting stats are there. Uh, as I mentioned, Lau is good. Cronenberg could be in the middle of the Padres lineup, and that could help out. The fun upside ones, um, Miguel Vargas is here again. Um, but Vaughn Grissom's interesting. Uh, Jonathan India, I, it was kind of funny in, in tout. I I think it was Govier, the 12 teamer. I was just like so aggressive on Andy India. Like he went one dollar, then like every other bid was him shouting it until like it went up to 15. And I uh, and uh Clay Link was like, Well, he was not walking out of here without India. And I was like, Well, hmm. just like the British. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> couldn't help myself. God. I was very proud of myself fast. Okay. Um they all laughed. You didn't laugh, but they all laughed. <laughs> I gave a chuckle. I gave it a chuckle. Okay, I'll, I'll take the chuckle. Um, but no, I think Johnny Jonathan India is, is a little undervalued right now because I think it's more in the health is the reason why people aren't in. And it's just whatever. 17th mm-hmm. round. Like, fine. Uh, Brandon Donovan, Colton Wong, or Ket- and Ketel Marte are other interesting options if you really need something there. Um, but it's not... It's not fun at the end. I don't really feel too confident that like, oh, yeah, you're going to get your second base guy like 
super late. Don't worry about the top ones. I do feel more of a lean, especially my 12 teamers to focus on a second baseman uh, and figure other things out later. Yeah, I think the other thing about India though is is the supporting cast isn't there, right? He's he, when you when you find a leadoff sure. hitter, you're usually like, oh, that's pretty nice. But when it's Joey Votto and Will Myers behind him, you're like, no, I don't really necessarily know about yeah, that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I do like the Brandon Lau pick though that you kind of mentioned because I I just think that we saw almost a full wash year from him last year as he struggled right. with injury, and I think he's going to be able to bounce back to what he did a couple of years ago. We talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago, but I really enjoy the last guy that you have on this list too, at, at in uh, Colton Wong, just solely yeah. because he's he's leading off for for the Mariners, right? I yeah, mean, that could be. Really this is big. a guy who like India is leading off, but has a far better better supporting cast behind mm. him. Yeah. That absolutely is true. It absolutely is true. And if you have stolen bases uh, as a deficit in your your team, well, yeah, seventeen last year, uh, that could be pretty pretty interesting with the Colton Wong. So yeah, not a terrible last round flyer. Good point. Um, all right, let's go take a look then at third round. As you know, we take a look at the tiers here. I mean, you see the pretty typical stuff. Jose Ramirez, of course, he could be a one one in many leagues. Uh, Manny Machado, Austin Riley. Who are some of the other guys that you're kind of interested in here? Right. So this is third base and uh, I don't like Devers as much as I do Machado and Riley. I found myself if if the other two go, then okay, it is Devers. Uh, But again, like second base, I feel there is a definitive. Oh, no. Who am I going to have as my third baseman? So I really do like chasing after Machado and Riley whenever possible. Um, It does really depend on where you are in the draft. I think being in the middle is really nice. Because you're able to, in the second round, get one of those third basemen, uh, Machado, Austin, Riley, Devers. It was really nice also playing this out, knowing that you would take a starter mm. <laughs> that I was going to get. Like, I counted it out who the typical guys are that go. And I was like, cool, I'm probably going to get Austin Riley. And then mm. I got Austin Riley. It was wonderful. Um, but if you are in a situation, let's say you want to go judge 1-1, uh, then I'm likely going to go Arenado at the term. Because it's the last one to me. I mean, Alex Berman's fine. Uh, it's it's good. He's definitely better than the others. Uh, Gunnar Henderson is uh, interesting. I mean, I'm sure you have words to spill on Gunnar Henderson, but it's not a safe. And theoretically, yes, there is more depth than we like to say there is a third base. Um, Jose Miranda is an interesting one. Matt Chapman could be good. Jordan Walker, say whatever you want about him. But it's... Once again, I feel that there are um, like first base, at least like Mount Castle. Cool. 12th round. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, maybe Tristan Casas could come around or as you mentioned, Torque or something. There's more excitement to be found there. And third base is it's not really that great. So if you guys are noticing as I go through this, I'm pretty much saying like every position uh, <laughs> in the infield or whatever is shallow. Mm. Uh, and it's really also more emphasized, I think, in the first couple rounds while as we when we get to outfield and shortstop, the interest is actually after the first couple of rounds. So it's why I liked as much like as much as I can to try and go second base, third base, first base in the first three rounds, which I did in our league. Um, I, I got Mookie Betts at second, I got Austin Riley at third, and then I got um, Matt Olson in the third. Right, uh, second mm-hmm. was Austin Riley. And that allows me then to then target outfielders after that. Okay. And then I just got my shortstop. And then sure, I only have one starter. But the fun part is that there are so many good starting pitchers. And you really, really do not need to overspend, in my view, 
on starting pitchers early. So I just want to emphasize that as much as I can as I go through this guide um, by identifying where the the profits of value based on rounds are. And to me, that's that's how it works. So third base, if I miss out on Arenado, essentially, and Bobby Witt's already gone too, I'm probably going to maybe reach in the fifth or fourth for Bregman or Gunnar Henderson. I'm really hoping I don't have to rely on Matt Chapman, essentially, or Max Muncy. Um, yeah, but that's kind of what you have to do. And then if in that case, I'm usually pairing it with Josh Young later on because I want to try and chase for something that would be better than the guy I got in the 12th round. Yeah, there, there's a few additional questions that I have about third baseman and the question that I want you to answer about where you like to prefer to draft. And we're going to get to both of those after this break. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. We're back now. Before we get to some of the thoughts that I have about Gunnar Henderson that you brought up, I think you already you kind of already hit the nail on the head with this. But in a, in a KDS, like where where are you prioritizing? Are you prioritizing the middle rounds? So or, KDS, me, middle is picks, so this is that's 15 team, right? So I want to mm-hmm. clarify. This is a whole draft guide for 12 teamers, yeah. not 15. Um, and the good news is that there are a lot of really good podcasts out there that focus on 15. Uh, so you've got help there. Um, but uh, with 12s, I do like to be in the middle. Um, I think it's it gives you as much flexibility as possible, understanding round values and where you can jump in. I mean, I I felt very lucky. I was, uh, if you guys don't know, in the Pitchless Legacy League, we do rock, paper, scissors to determine uh, choosing your draft spot. I think it's it really be March Madness. It used to be, it March, used to be Madness, March Madness, right? but it was just slightly too late. Mm. is what we did um we could have done it this year i think essentially the first two days or so you uh or like a region you get round yeah it's a fun game it's fine i'm not going to explain it now um but i honestly if i had the first choice i probably would have taken six (laughs) and i got it as like the sixth or seventh offering um so because, yeah, I get this flexibility. I got Mookie Betts right in the middle. Great. And I, I was able to get the third baseman that came to me. I was able to get Matt Olson coming back to me, right? I'm able mm-hmm. to adjust. I was just able to get, and we'll talk about them in a second, shortstops. And with shortstops, I need to recognize when they start going because I'll probably take the last one of a, of a bevy of like six guys. And that's what I just did. And I'm super happy with William Adamas. So it really helps you at the six because then if you're at the ends, you have to anticipate that run before it happens. You have yeah. to reach every round. I mean, sure, normally the rule is that the the turns is you reach for a guy and then you get a guy that fell. That's generally mm-hmm. what you do. 
but it just allows you to to flow with the draft so much better if you're in the middle of it. Um, and yeah, it's worked out really well for me so far. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like having those, you know, in the first couple rounds where the value starts to drop off real quick, I like having a decision kind of made for you and then having a little bit more power in the back end. Gunnar Henderson, um, you know, there's a little bit of concern there, not just because it's, you know, technically going to be his real rookie year, but, you know, one of the things that stabilizes quickest over spring training is K rate. Um, and the bad news is he's got a 36% K rate in spring training over, uh, over, 25 at bats and 30 plate appearances so that's that's not great you don't really want to see and no. he already admitted a couple of days ago he says he feels like he's pressing up at the plate which is like you know that scares me a little bit because what, like what do you pre- it's spring training you know what i mean what are you pressing for there's there's no need to be pressing whatsoever um with that said he hit a home run 20 minutes ago so maybe <laughs> it doesn't matter what's everything is fine yeah, exactly. Um, Jordan Walker, definitely one of the more, you know, kind of interesting ones. He's been capturing a lot of hearts and minds with a lot of very gifable hits and home runs over the uh, uh, over spring training so far. You know, some of these kind of go by the wayside because the WBC tweets kind of take over justifiably. So they deserve to. What are you thinking about Jordan Walker, though, who theoretically, you know, is now, according to Fangraphs, I mean, uh, roster resource slotted in to be the DH and hit seventh, but still a little bit up in the air. What are you thinking about him? Uh, I listened to Derek Hardy, who's just says, look, like, we don't know. We don't know what rookies are going to do. And I'm cool taking him in the 18th round when it doesn't mean a whole lot. But those that want to push him up to the 14th or so, I think there are just too many other things you have to go after first. And there's a chance that Jordan Walker explodes and has a great season. That's awesome. There's a chance a lot of guys do. So if you're at a point in your draft where you don't feel like you're getting some solid value, that's where you go after Jordan Walker and really structuring this draft. It's a really, really important to focus on floor early upside late and do not be afraid to chase upside when you have, when you have your lineup that is already established, Mm. right? Think about that. You have a guy at third base already. You're not going to get another one. Like, Oh, look at the projections for the full year. I get this. Like, no, that's something that's a bench spot that you're going to be floating through the entire year mm. you don't have this backup so i i really encourage that and also when it comes to util and outfield those are the easiest ones to fill in season so i purposefully do not attack them uh in my drafts until the back half uh so jordan walker is a luxury in my view and if you're at a position where it's all these guys are kind of boring and they don't have any sort of electric production to them don't settle for boring don't yeah. settle for if you settle for a projection like imagine if every single player in the draft was a projection you have an average team then right it's just normal mm. but if it's but if a guy overperforms it then you actually have some way of being elite to it does that make sense yeah, yeah so, I hear what you're saying. um so i'm very much like you have to chase it uh, many others will also say like if you're, you're not first you're last which yeah well that's not that's not necessarily wrong either when it comes to fantasy baseball. No one remembers when he came in second place. Yeah, you get the money back. Um, <laughs> um, all right, let's take a yeah, uh, let's fair. move Fine. over to uh, shortstop. Uh, you know, uh, Trey Turner, his WB performance certainly going to have him jumping up at a few drafts with all the power that he's been outputting. But I want to actually stick with someone who's a little bit later because it's in the same vein as what you were talking about. Someone who 
you know, we talked about Gunnar Henderson, a, another rookie who could theoretically be a little bit of a risk, a, a guy who was not a rookie as he debuted last year, um, but obviously could have a little bit of a sophomore slump. Um, and that's O'Neill Cruz. So you have him targeted going in the eighth, obviously going to be leading off for the Pirates, you know, the projections obviously you know dig him i think he's gonna uh gonna be pretty good over the course of the year what is the reason that you are uh you know targeting Cruz? you just think hey i think that 2020 season with a 250 average is legit i think there's sky's the limit kind of for o'neill Cruz, and he got better as the season went on um if you've used our plv hitter app you'll see the swing decisions much better from o'neill Cruz as he developed through the season i don't think i need to tell you how good his skills are and you trust the skills. Um, I think he has legitimate top two round upside and that can win you your leagues. It's really fun. Now, if you want something safer, sure. Go Tim Anderson, go Lee Damas, go Danzy Swanson, uh, go Xander Bogarts, who's not on here because mm-hmm. I think Xander is the worst of those, those guys that go kind of like six picks around each other. It's like O'Neill Cruz, Anderson, Adamas, Swanson. I, Bogarts and there's one other I'm forgetting here. Uh, maybe Carlos Correa kind of. Yeah, after. Correa. Uh, Franco, that's the other one. Mm. Um, who all go within each other, within a round of each other. Or, and then Correa always goes two, which is actually kind of interesting. I think Carlos Correa two rounds later is always a steal. Um, if you're going after, say, Dansby Swanson in the eighth and then sure. Carlos Correa in the tenth. Um, but that's where I find myself getting a shortstop most of the time. Sometimes it's Corey Seager in the fourth round. Uh, I really do believe in Corey Seager's uh, ability to have a much better average without the shift and or at least a lesser shift um, and paired with his amazing counting stats. I think it's just really, really good. Um, So I don't find myself really going after a shortstop too much in the first three. I'd rather just go for that push in the seventh, eighth round, which is why it's really nice to be in the middle of the draft so you can never be too far behind when it starts to run out um, yeah. there'll be someone there and i'll i'll just take whoever it is you know it's kind of funny the more i think about it like sh- shortstop looking at what we have right now is relatively deep compared to the other positions right i mean obviously yes. there's fall off there's definitely fall off i think there's a big tier drop but still you know we have currently just using this as context in our pl uh in our legacy league i think all but two teams currently have a shortstop right now and there's still like Bogarts, Bogarts and, and, and Correa and Pena are still available. Bogarts, Correa, Pena, Ahmed Rosario, Tommy Edmond. Uh, there's a lot. Like that's that's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, so it might be, uh, you know, not the worst to wait a little bit. Uh, but then, like you said, too, there are guys later on uh, that have plenty of flaws to them, but they do have a, a good amount of upside. I mean, I think we've we've all had. Javier Baez long enough, or we've all rostered Javier Baez at one point to kind of know what we're going to be getting from him, right? Um, last year was clearly not great with a 238 average and a 278 OBP, but like I think people also forget that there is 20 to 25 home runs with 15 to 20 steals uh, in that yeah, bat. Absolutely. So again, getting him in the 16th round, you know, if you if you really got hosed in a, either in a deeper league, I know this is for a 12 team, but if you really got hosed on on shortstop, it's not the worst solution. Obviously, the floor is terrifying, but yeah, it's not the worst. Well, right. And also he's going at a time where, yeah, the floor is going to be bad. I mean, that's pretty much what it is always. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should you should hope for a bad floor with a good ceiling. 
more than a good floor and a bad ceiling. Um, I mean, trust me, you can find a Toby for a Toby equivalent for short up if you need it. But there's also Hasun Kim, who's kind of interesting. Um, is equal Tovar, uh, who certainly has upside being a shortstop for the the Rockies. And then maybe maybe we'll see Volpening Day uh, with the Yankees, <laughs> uh, to use Asher Jatel's phrase. Um, but we'll see what happens there. I mean, maybe even Peraza could be helpful on that team. Uh, but Nico Horner as well. I mean, there are shortstop options if you really need it. But as I'm trying to outline here is this is the guide for your draft. This is how you should be thinking about the rounds and who you're targeting. And I can't emphasize enough plan to get your shortstop in that run around the seventh and eighth round. Mm. Um, it doesn't, I think we put so much um, focus on the who as opposed to the group. And like, I, I don't think anyone can defect, definitively tell you that you are going, if you get Dansby Swanson instead of Willie Damas, you are demonstrably better or worse, mm-hmm. right? They're all similar. You know, luck will guide us one way or another there for the most part. We can have all of our reasoning for this or that. I like Adamus more. I think the power is more legitimate, but whatever. Uh, It's not that big of a deal. So get those groupings uh, figured out before your draft. And for me, this is where shortstop, every single 12 team draft, that is the place where I get my shortstop. I mean, it has to be. Yeah, I was very angry that you took Willie Adamas. It has to be, um, it, it's, you know, we, we talk a lot about, it, this isn't a best ball draft, right? Which is, I, I agree with that mentality, but you know, you, you said something kind of interesting about the, the kind of negligible difference with between, well, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. There's not the largest difference. If you get Dan, right, there's so much Willie, focus on like, I need to get this one guy. And it's like, well, sure. no, it's just, it's, there are a lot of options and whatever, so, how, how the draft flows, you go for that. The third piece of context that I want to bring into it then, because it is about the draft flow and it is about you in particular, is is it's so it's so team context bound, right? Like mm. the reason why I wanted Willie Adames was because he is rare at this point in the draft and will become more rare, which is power without completely tanking average. Yeah, without right? empty I mean, like, power. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. So, and and that's that's huge, right? So, putting like that's the thing that you're you're trying to put somebody together. You're assembling a team, and you need to choose how you want to be doing that from the beginning. You've kind of made it clear that like, listen, if I'm weighting all the five categories, I'm going to put ten or fifteen percent on stolen base and average, and I'm going to put everything else on home runs, yeah. runs, and rippies, right? And my mentality is always a little bit different. Mine's like, all right, what's the even split that I can get across five categories, right? That's what you really need to be. Like, honestly, once you go into a draft, figure out what those tiers are for you, what you want to wait and how you want to wait them. And then I think the draft just becomes so much easier because it's almost like golf in a way where no, it's like, yeah, don't do this. Don't bring in golf. <laughs> it is weird because I don't even really golf. I do like it, but I don't golf. But it's <laughs> almost like the only person. Like yeah, okay. The only person you're, you're drafting against in many ways is kind of yourself, right? Because listen, you always draft, you take someone, you immediately second guess what you've done. Am I doing this right? Is this person going to fall? Is that person going to fall? And obviously that's important pieces of context. But I guess what I mean by the golf analogy is like, focus on your game, focus on the team that you want to build, pay attention to the resources that are there. They're going to help you get there and then build it to the best of your ability. You know, it's it's funny because I, I really want to do what John Metzler does and just see how it would work. And what John Metzler I mean, does... In- He's in the, He's in like, the, fun- the playoffs yeah. every year. Yeah, well, okay. So this is what John Messelar does. And if you guys don't know who this is, um, I don't know how. 
Uh, he, he's done hitter list for years, passed it on to Scott Chu, has been with us for what five, six years now. He's um, so John E. Baseball, I love this man. Uh, and he's so hitter focused, right? So his first pick was Jose Ramirez. And then the next four were Spencer Strider, Aaron Nola, Luis Castillo, Dylan Cease. And then Tim Anderson, and then Clayton Kershaw. Not kidding, five starting pitchers in the first seven rounds. Okay? So the reason he does this is because he believes in his ability to stream hitters through the week. Mm-hmm. And for me, my ability is to stream pitchers through the week. I Metzlar really focuses, and this is why we actually had transaction limits, um, on filling up your Mondays and your Thursdays. Uh, which I think is a really great strategy and will help with those counting stats more so than I think a lot of people realize. Now, the problem that I have with it is you need to have, I need to have a better foundation when it comes to my hitters to be able to do that kind of thing. But I am really jealous that like I have to go against that when I, when I, <laughs> when I go against them. That's a mm-hmm. good pitching rotation. I just have Kevin Gosman. I have, I have like four guys I still have to match up against still. And I don't know how I'm going to do that against them, but just have to have a fortunate week against, I guess, my pitching side. However, I do expect to do well on the hitting side against them. So it's and it's not a lock that those guys are going to have their best weeks or whatever it is. But whatever works for you is the real story of that. And I, oh man, I, I, I always get kind of upset when Mets does it, Metzlar, because he somehow just finds like the right hitter that does yeah that's the exact right volume guy that you should get at this point that no one else got for whatever reason and and i'll see i'm he's, really curious he is, to see how he is your works. he is your bizarre world yeah. yeah he's your Absolutely. bizarre world yeah. and but the thing is though he ends up in the championship almost every year i feel like right i i beat him i i i i won instead of him before <laughs> but uh right and then he i mean it's that his playoffs are so annoying um and you would think that getting started like this would actually, they hurt you more, I think, starters in September than hitters do. Because there's so much sure. weirdness with starters in, in September. Um, and then hitters give you better performance because you generally get worse pitching. Mm. But um, but anyway, I don't know. I mean, it works for him. And maybe I'm doing something really stupid because he keeps doing this and being successful. So yeah, just something uh, to figure out what is best for you. Exactly. That's kind of the key takeaway. We've got three more categories to get through here. Offense, starting pitcher, and relief pitcher. We're going to do that right after this break. All right, we're back. Let's jump back in here. A lot of interesting names um, going on here. We've got, obviously, it's a, it's a larger field here. Don't really need, unless there's anything you want to address with the, <clears throat> excuse me, first or second round guys. Not really a lot there. Uh, some interesting ones that pop out to me. You, you're really in on the Teoscar Hernandez train, it seems. So I what am, is it about man. Him? I, I think that Teoscar Hernandez is just is going to be plopped in the middle of a, fin, uh, a really good Mariners lineup. PLV digs him a lot. Um, I, I just think that he's kind of this safe all-around guy. Um, he also can get stolen bases. I mean, it's, it's just Teoscar Hernandez is really good. Uh, and I, I, I see other outfielders at this moment. Um, and I actually just inside of our PL legacy, I know I'm using that as a frame of reference, but it's actually really helpful to, to talk about this one, because this is a very, you know, this is the best of the pitcherless staff. Um, and Eloy, Corbin Carroll, Tyler O'Neill, and Brian Reynolds went after Teoscar. 
Mm. And I, I really do like Corbin Carroll, but knowing me, I'm going to be a little safer on hitting. And Teoscar, to me, is, is, I thought, the safest one there. He's just in a very good situation right now with Seattle um, that I'm in. I mean, I normally had him like as a fourth, fifth round guy. Here he is in the sixth, and I thought I just couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. Corbin Carroll, like you mentioned, you know, another guy that's just like a fun uh, a rookie dude. There are two other guys, though, in, in Stanton who, you know, can't stay healthy, but when he does, is going to hit 30 home runs. But also, you love you some Taylor Ward. Taylor Ward, let's go. Taylor Ward was so good, but then he got hurt and then came back and then found it again. And I'm, I'm in. I'm just, I'm just so in. The skills are there. Um, the one thing about outfielders here, I do want to mention we skipped it a bit. Uh, first round, you can go for one. Like, let's say you're not in a Yahoo league. I won't be going for Mookie Betts then, mm. right? And I'm going to be going for a hitter. Aaron Judge is my 1-1. Because it shouldn't shock you guys because stolen bases don't care as much about. And like, who is the power guy? <laughs> who is the runs and RBI and home runs guy? It's Aaron Judge. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to do that. Uh, Kyle Tucker, I do like a lot. And I almost took him instead of bets, but the second base stuff just was different for me. Juan Soto, I think, is phenomenal as well. I'm not in on Julio Rodriguez. Um, I, I want to, it's not as safe as the other ones in my view. Um, I've seen Mike Trout fall to the second round, which can be very good, especially if you got Jose Ramirez, for example, and you don't need the third base. Um, you have Michael Harris, who actually fell really far in hours he fell to the fourth round and might have him as a target in the third but i just like kyle schwarber more um mm-hmm. right now and considering that i got bets and not like an aaron judge in the first i wanted to pair that up with kyle schwarber more so than michael harris which i felt was more of a similar skill set to bets and also it's the second year and i don't i, I want a higher floor kyle schwarber um so so that's kind of where I'm at. I, I normally see fourth, fifth round. I would like to get an outfielder. I think that's actually kind of where the fun is, is the, between the fourth and the sixth to get your first uh, your first outfielder. And I actually got one in the fourth, fourth and the sixth in hours because Teoscar was there in the sixth. And I that mm. was a surprise to me. Um, so, again, going over how what positions I target at different points, that is the the hot spot for outfield value is around the fourth to sixth round. So you have Kyle Schwarber, Randy Rosarena, um, Luis uh, Robert Jr., um, Cedric Mullins, and then Eloy and Corbin Carroll and Brian Reynolds. Those are the That's the time to target one of those guys if you haven't gotten an outfielder because it does get really tough to fill the outfield later on in the draft, especially in like a five outfield league. I might even sure. push some of these around earlier. Um, so make sure you have at least one after the fourth through sixth. And then you can turn into the 10th. There's Giancarlo and Taylor Ward and Christian Yelich. All right, that's fine. There's your second. Um, and then you can kind of just chill. I've really, I, I'm all for having your third outfield spot be kind of this open whatever. In a 12-teamer, you have 36 outfielders technically with three outfield league. That's it. Mm. I mean, sure, utility spot or some guys that have second base and outfield eligibility like Metro Chaz Chisholm or whatever. But... Yeah, there there are more than that. There are 90 starting outfielders in the majors. And it's just the top 36 that are technically needed. So that is something in season that is easy to fill. So take like an Oscar Colas or something. See what happens. 
Sure. You know, late in the draft, and there's your third outfielder. Don't try and go for, I mean, sure, if you want Hunter Renfro, you feel like you need more power, fine. Um, but I don't feel like I need to uh, be aggressive at my outfielder while the other spots we're talking about have more pressing needs. Yeah, I, I kind of like where that you included Yelich. I know you said you, you know he's on highlight and grade, so he's not necessarily going to be targeted. But I think he's kind of like final. He's kind of finally settled into where he should be going, right? Because we right. obviously had the fantastic year in 2019. 2020 happens, but everyone's like, okay, maybe it's just the pandemic year. I'm not going to count it. And then 2021 happens, they're like, okay, it's really bad. And then people are, in 2022, they're almost like, okay, well, last year was bad, but 2020 didn't really matter because it was the pandemic year. So he's really only one year removed from hitting yeah. 329 with a bunch of home runs so maybe i'll go back and now he's like settled into what you're going to get from him right which is like almost a tier tool five tool player and what i mean by that is he's not going to give you 25 25 or 30 home runs and 15 stolen bases but he will give you an average that doesn't kill you an okay amount of home runs an okay amount of stolen bases and an okay amount of collecting stats right so i kind of like that if you did take bigger risks on other dudes he's almost like you know, a, a lighter Cedric Mullins in that way, right? He's not going to have the average of the power that Mullins has theoretically, but he he's going to contribute. So I really liked seeing that too. Joy Manessis is a fun pick as well. I guess the theme is 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 going to be you know guys who are rookies who might theoretically perform. Obviously, one of the big downsides is he's in Washington, but that park can be really really nice for him. He had a good yeah. WBC, so I, I dig seeing Joy Manessis there in the seventeenth round because it's another thing where. You could hold on to him for a couple of weeks and see how he starts out of the gate. And if it's not clicking, he's going late enough that it's not going to hurt you to just kind of cut bait. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a case at the end that there are some really fun ones. Uh, Ushida, um, Newt Bar, um, as I mentioned, Colos, but Riley Green, Ramon Laureano. He's a potential 2020 Garrett Mitchell, Jesse Winker. There are some fun ones to chase at the end. Um, but uh, yeah, again, outfield, you shouldn't be too heavily invested in the third one. Yeah, let's move on to catchers then. Not a lot here to talk about because the field gets pretty thin pretty quick. Obviously, Real Muto is still going to be a fantasy stud. Adley Rutschman seems to have fallen out of favor a little bit, and I kind of understand why. I think he's kind of a better real-life catcher as opposed to a fantasy catcher because unless he's in an, unless you're in an OBP league, like I can understand why he's falling out of favor. But I think you and I both agree that Sean Murphy has an opportunity to do a lot of damage. I, down I think Atlanta. Sean Murphy is so undervalued Mm. am i crazy here he's going to be the middle of a phenomenal atlanta lineup he could be hitting dh on the days that he's not catching so the plate appearances could go up a ton Uh, i feel like it's one of those situations where you take a guy who's been on a bad team and you put him on a good team and all of a sudden becomes like a stud like this happens all the time and I, i i feel like sean murphy is just going to explode with atlanta this year he's going at a perfect time in the draft because I'm talking about all the other positions that you have to focus on. Then it gets to be the 10th round and you can just take Sean Murphy then? It, it's, oh, I, I love I expected Sean Murphy to be like a 6th round guy or so after the Atlanta deal. And nope, he, here he is, 10th round. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I've got, I got him in labor. I got him in, in tout. Um, I, I think I didn't get him in TGFBI. I feel like I should have, but, <laughs> but like I, I just keep getting the guy. Um, and I, I love this. I understand MJ Melendez, but I feel like that's Kansas city sapping some stuff too. Um, Cal Raleigh is an interesting one. If you want to chase something later, same with Danny Jansen, but really, uh, if I'm not getting Sean Murphy, um, I'm probably not getting anyone that matters in a 12 teamer. Hmm. And it's just because I think the other positions are that much 
more pressing um, to deal with. I, I could see myself getting JT Real Muto in the fourth, especially in a draft where pitching is really getting pushed down. So all the better hitters are getting drafted. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just take JT Real Muto and just call it a day. Sure. Uh, but I maybe some Varsho. I mean, I think Ali Rutschman doesn't have an opportunity to really to to take a step forward this year. Um, so that's why he is here in the sixth round. But uh, but yeah, Sean Murphy in the 10th is easily the one. And finally, fast, we made it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was hard. That was 50 it. minutes, guys, talking about hitters. That's almost the longest we've ever done. But that. I did it, you know, because you guys needed this this draft outline for all of your drafts, just like one episode to get your 12-teamer drafts. You use the the companion uh, article. It's great. And I didn't, I didn't talk about auction stuff, but honestly, if you, you got to listen to Ariel Cohen's for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, we made the starting pitching. Do, I, do you like my outline? Do you agree with it? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, it's it's not too surprising Sweet. to me. I mean, we've we've discussed uh, pitching, you know, uh, like in some form for the past, you know, every uh, couple of weeks for the past what couple months. So I, I there's looking through it, like there really are not many surprises. It's funny. I you got um, Hayden Wisniewski and Tout, correct? Yes, two dollars. So it's I I did something late last night. I was finally had enough time where I could sit down and look at your tout draft, and we're going to discuss that a little bit more in depth tomorrow. But I covered up all the names of the people who drafted, and I went team by team to try and guess who your team was. And oh yeah, there were a few that threw me for a loop. But then when I finally got to Hayden Wisniewski and then saw the other people that it was paired with, I was like, "That's next." Team. Oh That's right, 100%. this is this is the funniest thing in that tout. We'll talk about. I'll save it for tomorrow. Actually, I, there were some really funny moments inside that towers draft. You're gonna have to listen to our podcast tomorrow about it. It, it was, I, I, I'm actually really looking forward to this. I think the more so than any other draft episode. Um, you have to listen to tomorrow's for Tat Wars. Um, a really, really fun time. There are uh, uh, like, we have truly talked about so many of these guys. So yeah. many. We're not. Times. We're not going to. We're not going to do analysis here. We're just going. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you do a rundown in a second. The one, and you can say whatever you'd like about you know who you're highlighting mm-hmm. and what your methodology was. The one that I want you to hit upon though is the last person in this tier, uh, in in Jordan Schuster. Oh yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. All right. I'll I'll get there. So I'm going to go through okay. the rundown, then I'll end right on 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 Jared. Did I say Jordan in it? That's so funny. No, you said Jared. I don't know why I said oh, okay. Jordan. I keep saying Jordan. That's okay. so weird. It's it's crazy. Uh, I think we're thinking of Jordan Schusterman. Uh, yes, that's exactly that's it. it. That's what happened yeah. to me. That's it. <laughs> okay. We love you guys. Okay. Um. So really, I'm not going to get a start in the first three rounds. Or really, the first four. There's a scenario where if McClanahan, Woodruff, Verlander are at the... I'm at like the 11th, 12th turn. And I realize that... Uh, by the end of the fifth, I'm not going to get the starter that I would want. And these guys are there, like Verlander, Woodruff, McClanahan. I could see myself saying, you know what, I'll get one here. And then all the other targets I talked about that I would have to reach for, then I'll get, you know, I'll get those in the next one. That's a nice pairing for me. Um, but let's just say a middle of the fifth round or whatever, or middle of the the draft, like Luis Castillo, Aaron Nola. I'm actually going to be flipping Nola and Castillo, just so you know, because Castillo has been really rough. And I like the idea of Nola adding that slider. So I'm going to be doing that, but not a very big deal, guys. Um, but yeah, well, adding Castillo, the cutter or the slider? Uh, slider, not cutter. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, wait. You're right. You're right. It's cutter. It's cutter. You're right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate you. Okay. Um, Wheeler, Freed, and Christian Javier. By the way, Christian Javier is throwing like 2.5 ticks slower yesterday. Mm-hmm. So is everyone. Um, 
<laughs> Except Drew Rasmussen. Noah. Uh, well, there was a game. There was a game with the Rays and Jays that was uh, everyone was down like two ticks, but then Drew Rasmussen was up 0.5. I'm like, was he up two ticks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I essentially you're trying to get your first start around the fifth or sixth round. That's the way I do it because I I can't express enough. So much emphasis we put on the top 20 starters and really they are so similar. Um, I, I can't uh, I can't express that. So do not feel like. Oh, but I got this one instead of that one. Get any of these. Whoever falls, awesome. You should be happy with it. I would love to be able to pair up with one of them in the in the seventh round with one of my aces of dubs. I've been seeing that the top 20 or so have been pushed up a little bit because of Glasnow, Radon, and Musgrove getting hurt. It's very frustrating to me. I hate it. It's not fair. Why weren't there more of them so that I could get the value that I wanted in the seventh and eighth? Um, so what, what's happening is now maybe you might want to go fifth and sixth as a starter instead of fifth, seventh, eighth, depends on what is there in the sixth round. If essentially you get, let's say you get Max Freed in the fifth round and then come back around and get, and you Darvish is still there. Great. Get you Darvish, be happy with that. And then go back to your hitting target in the seventh that you missed out in the fifth or sixth, whether it be an outfielder or a shortstop, whatever it is, jump back in there. You might want to wait until even the ninth round. Um, if you can get Robbie Ray, then he's been moving up draft boards a ton because he's had such a good spring, 21 strikeouts and 12 innings, which is, I mean, talks of increased velocity, that splitter, Robbie Ray is looking really good. And I'm probably going to have him um, right outside the east of dubs above Framber Valdez in my next update of the list later this week. And by the way, yes, I'm going to have my f- uh, final update before the start of the year on Friday instead of Monday next week because I know it's draft weekend. So don't worry, guys. Okay. Hmm. Um, then I'm probably going to go after... So I have like two guys, two or three. Just get aggressive, really. Ninth, tenth rounds. I feel like they're always such interesting guys there. Get three before the end of the tenth round. Okay? And then at that point, you can have so much fun. There is... Oh, there are so many guys between the tenth and fourteenth round that you can go for. You can go for things like Lance Lynn and Jesus Lazardo. Lazardo's throwing like 100 like 97, he's sitting and then touched 100. That's insane. Sure, if you're worried about health, you know, around this time, the question is like, are they healthy or are they going to take a step forward in development? Health is a better bet to make often. So I will go after Jesus Lazardo. Uh, and then you have Lucas Giolito, who is looking much better than he was last year. Ray Detmers, I'm really into. Uh, so that's really where there's just this massive grouping. Look on the site to see which ones, but I'm super aggressive getting like two or three of these. I feel like you can have an amazing staff just by living at the time where you already have your offense that you love. Mm. Then you have the other ones that are kind of just fun stuff. 17th through 23rd, get two of them. Do not go crazy about which ones they are, who really knows what they are, but that's it. That's really how it's supposed to be done. It's not rocket science. Um, Just go and, and don't be too particular about the person. Um, because they're always fun groupings with them and they could all work out well. And Jared Schuster. Oh yeah. He might be the number five for the, for Atlanta and he's been great. And there's also Dylan Dodd, but Dylan Dodd is a year behind as far as development goes. Like it was 2020 draft pick versus 21. I think Atlanta is going to go with Schuster is number five for them. Tons of strikeouts from the left side, really good slider and changeup. I think he's going to soar with a job and surprise all of us. And he's my favorite last round flyer right now. We can wrap up with the relief pitchers. When you go to look at roster resource right now, there are, I think, 20 
just 20 closers who actually are listed as a closer, mm. which means that there are 10 teams with a full-on committee. The pool yeah. is shrinking year over year. And honestly, I think even some of the closers that are listed are probably going to go by the wayside once the season starts. So you have sure. to figure that there are 20 closers that maybe five or six of them, for some reason, will just prove inept for no other reason than the fact that yep. relievers are volatile volatile year over year. It almost seems like, and then now also, of course, we lose reliever one uh, with that freak yeah, out. Yeah, with Evan Diaz, changes everything. Yep. Diaz. So now it's a, a small pool that gets even smaller. It seems like now more than ever is the best time to find your guy who's in the top five or six, right? Between uh, Batista or Class A or, you know, Hader and Williams also have their awards, but maybe find one of those guys that you feel comfortable with and then just wait because saves might just be plentiful off the waiver by the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, we're drafting song saves wrong again for 5.0, right? Um <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that, follow Rick Graham in his rankings. Uh, I, I find that when I'm talking about when I get my first closer, I normally go 10th, 11th round. I just get one that I like. Maybe sometimes I pair it up because there's so many other pitchers I'd go for and I'll just wait another round or two to get another one of those guys, whoever that happens to be. Um, I find that Felice, Felix Bautista, if he's still going in the 9th or 10th, is insane. Same with Camille Duvall. Um, Peter Fairbanks, 15th, because everyone's so worried about the health or whatever. Just get him. It's fine. It's the 15th round. Um, Jorge Lopez looks like a nice get. I think he's the twins guy, especially with the lineback, uh, the comebacker to Duran might slow him down a little bit. Um, you have someone in Dodgers uniform. Why not chase Evan Phillips? And then you have also for the White Sox, Reynaldo Lopez fighting with Kendall, Kendall Graveman as your last round flyer. That's a really fun one because he could just run away with the job. Yeah, I really dig Reynaldo going super late. I think there's a lot of fun upside there. But guys, that's that's going to be the episode. We hope this prepares you uh, for your drafts. Obviously, you need to go check out the article yourself and 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 give it a look over at PitcherList, the Ultimate Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide for 2023. Who to draft when? Available on the site now. Any parting words, Nick? Yes, I really check out that guide um remember it's about in-season acquisitions and uh and chasing the right things i do my twitch stream every single morning at 10 a.m eastern time it's free come check it out i answer all the questions if you're making any decisions it's so important but it's not about winning your draft it's about not losing it and by being prepared of what guys to target in certain rounds changes everything go get your guy if you want if guys fall, that's okay. Adapt, but just know if you get this guy here that you can't get someone else later and who that would be instead. And I have a wonderful chart that showcases all the players Beautiful. in the different rounds that I like. So you can go and use that as well. But good luck in your drafts, guys. I can't yes. wait for the full season ahead. Baseball is coming back in nine days. I can't wait. Unbelievable. All right. That is going to do it for episode number 385 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.